morning, church. Good to see you again. Good to be here. Good to be any place, isn't it? But especially here together to worship the Lord. And I'm glad you're here today. I was just, Pastor Jeff, I was, I was noticing in the choir when they sang six of the choir, I think it was, were teenagers when we were here. Now they're mommies and daddies. And uh, it looks so good to see them continue serving the Lord here. Now, I'll let you decide which six they were. <laughs> when I retired from director of Prepared Baptist Association, uh, I had the joy. I retired December uh, the 31st, 2012. And the second week in January, I got a call from First Baptist Church, Big Pine Key, uh, 29 miles above Key West there, and uh, to come as interim pastor. And we fell in love with a couple there that uh, are with us here this morning. Uh, Jack and Kelly Jordan, Captain Jack and Captain Kelly, too. Uh, they had, uh, do you call it charter? Charter boat down in Key West took you out diving or spear fishing or sometimes line fishing. And they were so faithful to the Lord in his church there, and we just grew to love them. Let me tell you one funny thing. We had them uh, over pastorum one night for supper, and Ann had fixed pear salad. And they never had a pear salad. They, the pear where you put the mayonnaise in it and, and cheese on top. How many of you had that? That many have not? Oh, my. Try it. It was good, wasn't it? I guess that's a southern thing, Alabama or something. <laughs> oh, well, we, Ann and I just... We've been blessed and feel so fortunate to be able to share this time with you as a church and hopefully encourage you in this transition time. Next Sunday, our son Jeremy's going to preach, and I believe he's going to... A couple after that, too. We'll be gone after... We're going to be here next Sunday. Uh, in fact, uh, have the joy of doing a parent-child dedication for two of the teenagers. Uh, that uh, are here. Uh, so I hope you'll be here for, for that. I've done a lot of praying and asking God's direction about uh, encouragement to you, and um, God had laid on my heart uh, a series of messages on unity and on Wednesday night, our first Wednesday night here, a couple weeks ago, I guess it was, uh, I preached about unity, and united we stand, I called it. And then last uh, the Sunday, a week ago, I can't keep up with Sundays, uh, I preached on nobody is a nobody in the body, meaning that, that every single one of you is so important to God, every single one of you. And today I wanted to share with you, teamwork makes the dream work. Now I, I read that phrase, I think it was John MacArthur, 
he used that phrase, and boy, it struck me. Teamwork makes the dream work. So I started working on that, asking God to help me with a message there, and I hope it will encourage you today. And if you'll go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 2, and hold it there for a minute, because I want to start by asking you a question. What is your dream for Central Baptist Church? In other words, what what kind of plans, what kind of uh, aspiration do you have? What kind of dream do you have? What do you want to see God do at Central Baptist Church from this time on? And that's important for you to ask yourself, each one of you individually, and then as a body of Christ called Central Baptist Church, then to talk about that together and discuss it together and pray with each other about what is it God wants us to do? What is my dream to see God at work? Is it to fill every pew in this building? What is it, 750 seats? I, think it, I, I can't remember. I think that's somewhere, 700, something like that. Is that, is that your dream, to see that? Is it your dream to see the altar filled every Sunday with people praying and, and people repenting and, and getting their lives right with the Lord, Christians recommitting their life to worship the Lord, serve the Lord together? Is it to see lost people come and share with you that they have invited Jesus in their heart? Is it your dream maybe to see greater ministry done in the neighborhood, in in the community? All of these things are important. And all these things can really be a part of the dream that you might have for Central Baptist Church. But it's going to take teamwork to make it happen. Your new pastor, whoever that might be that God is preparing and that you are going to be searching for under God's leadership, he can't do it by himself. Pastor Jeff can't do it, even as he's leading you at this time. One person can't do it. Two people can't do it. It takes all of you working together as a team, God's team, to be able to be successful, if you want to use that term, uh, in light of what God wants you to achieve as his body here. Keep in mind, God put this church here. It's not an accident that Central Baptist Church is where it is at this time in the history of Central Baptist. What God may do in the future, we may not know all that he's going to do. But for now, keep in mind that he has you here, and he has a job for you to do. He has a plan for you, and you want to seek what it is that's God's plan, and let that be your dream 
also. But it's going to take teamwork. I think one of the, the greatest examples of teamwork is, is found in Mark chapter 2. And I'd like to read it. You follow along. Uh, I think you'll recognize this passage of scripture, and hopefully we can uh, take some things home with us from what God speaks to us about. Beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 12, and again he, talking about Christ, and again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they, were reasoned, uh, that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of all the people, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. I want to share four principles I see in here that are really, I think, necessary in order to be able to truly work together as a team, as God's team. So let me share those with you. The first principle, teamwork involves seeing and meeting the needs of people. You see, in verse 3, it tells us that four men brought a paralyzed man, a paralytic, to Jesus. And, of course, we're not sure about these men, if, if they were relatives, or whether they were just some friends that really cared about this man. But regardless of who they were, the point is, these four men had compassion on this man, they saw the needs that this man had. They had compassion on him, and they cared enough to bring him to Jesus. You see, they understood he couldn't get there on his own. 
just from the way it reads, you, you have to kind of think that maybe this paralytic was paralyzed from the waist down, lying on a, a cot, four-corner cot. And so these men cared enough to bring him because they knew that he couldn't get to Jesus. And they had an unshakable faith that Jesus could bring healing to this paralytic. And you say, well, how do you know they had faith? Number one, because of the action they were taking. They were bringing this man to the man who had been healing others, to the man who was preaching to them that day, and they evidently had an unshakable faith to do what they did. And you say, well, what does that have to teach us now? Well, let me see if I can share that, because there's something here that I think we can pack up and take home with us and pray about and ask God to help us to begin to realize that this first principle is for us too. You see, all around Central Baptist Church and around people that you meet day by day, you maybe work with, your neighbors with, your friends with, whatever, many, many people are hurting today, folks. They may be hurting spiritually. They may need Jesus Christ for their salvation. Many are hurting emotionally. Many even hurting physically. And here's the question for us. Do I care enough, does Central Baptist care enough that we are willing to bring them to Jesus? And that's pretty simple, really. Do we care enough to do whatever it takes to bring these people to Jesus. And you might say, well, Pastor, what, you know, how can I bring them to Jesus? What, what do I need to do to bring them to Jesus? Well, here's the starter. Number one, invite them to come to church with you. Meet them out at the door and bring them inside and sit with them and explain things to them if they have questions. And you see, if you keep in mind that the church is the body of Christ in this world, that's the start of bringing them to Jesus, right? If you bring so they can hear the word of God proclaimed and feel the love of God coming out of, emerging from this body and your hearts, then God can begin to do a work in their life. And you know, th this takes team effort to do it. One person, two person, just three people, you know, whatever. It, can't, it takes all of us working together to do our part to be able to bring people to meet their needs, minister to those needs in the name of Jesus Christ. So that first principle is saying to us that we need to see, and not only see, but meet the needs of people as the body of Christ. Then look at the second principle. Teamwork involves team members working together, each one doing their part. Verse 3 again says that the, the paralyzed man was carried by these 
four men. And then verse 4 says that these four men lured him through a hole in the roof. These four men really worked together. They worked together to tear that hole in the roof. They worked together to pick up that four-corner cot and, and then to ease him down so that they presented him right in the front of Jesus, right down where Jesus was. And they did it as a team. Can you imagine what it would have been like to try one person? Now, they didn't have these fancy wheelchairs with motors on them. They had to carry this man. And can you imagine one man trying to do that and tear a hole in the roof and trying to lure him down in there? Even two. It took the, the, the four men working together as a team so that they were able to get this man to Jesus. And church, you know, when we look at ourselves as the body of Christ, and we realize that there are all these needs out there to be met, we need to make that determination to say that, that we're going to work together greater than we ever have, maybe, as a team. And I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do everything I can. Because, you see, when we work as a team and we understand that there are needs out here that only as a team working together, we can meet, then we can make that decision whether we're going to do it or not. And God wants us, when he leads us, to be ready to work together to accomplish his goals, his dreams for his church. And, and keep in mind, I think I, I kind of hit on this a little bit last Sunday a week ago, but keep in mind that you know, each member, each individual, you are so important. And when one team member is missing, or when one team member is not doing their part, then the whole team suffers. And it makes reaching that dream much more difficult when every person is not involved filling in and doing their part, whatever it is that God has gifted you with. Let me see if I can illustrate that. There was a farmer uh, that noticed a highway department truck pulling over onto the shoulder, the shoulder of the road. And then a man got out, went around behind the truck, dug a hole, and then he went back and got in the truck, and the other man got out, and came around behind the truck and filled in the hole. And this farmer, you know, was wondering because about every 50 yards they were doing that, digging a hole, filling it up. And the far farmer finally asked him, what in the world are you doing? And the driver said, well, we're on a highway beautification project. And the guy who plants the trees is homesick. He was missed, was he not? If you're home, if you're out running around somewhere and you're not 
filling the place that God has gifted you to fill, guess what? It's going to hurt the body. You are important. Every individual member is extremely important in order for God to be able to work to his fullest within the body that he has called together here. And really, think about it, church. This, this is true of every group in the church. Your Sunday school class, you know, you, you should be ministering to one another and when one member is hurting, all should be hurting, and therefore that member, that team, work together. The members of that class work together to help that team member that's missing, that's hurting. So it can be applied to, to any group within the church as well as the whole body. But you know, the sad fact is there's a lot of people that just don't want to do their part. And I'm just being gut honest with you. And I think you know that I'm right. There's a lot of people that just don't want to do their part. And it does weaken the body. It hurts the body. Some say, well, I don't have time. Got the same amount of time I do, 24 hours a day. All of us, we have the same amount of time. Many of them say, well, you know, I served on a team one time. It was a terrible experience, so I'll never serve on another one. And you know that's said numbers of times. Some say, I just can't find my niche. Some say, well, I don't have the skills. Some say, I just want to come and worship, but nothing else. On and on. All kinds of excuses, really, of why they don't want to participate. But everyone, listen, everyone, every believer has been given at least one spiritual gift by God that the Holy Spirit works in his life to use in the body. And that's why he gives it, is so the body can function. So, you know, you need to find your niche if you want to call it that, but more than that, you need to find out what is the spiritual gift or gifts that God has given me. What are the talents that God has given me? What are some of the abilities that God has given me? And these things that I can use to do my part within the body called Central Baptist Church. And by the way, if you haven't taken a spiritual gifts uh, inventory or test in your personal life, you need to do that. You can go online. There's a bunch of them you can use there. Pastor Jeff, you can see him and, and find out uh, where to get one and, and see what it is how God has gifted you so that you can be alert then and be able and ready to fill in your part in the body of Christ. So when every member is doing their part and, and the team is working together, guess what, church? There will be unity in the church. When the team is working together. There will be unity in the church, sort of like honeybees fulfilling, you know, their mission. It's interesting. I, I've read this. I, I'm too scared to get around close to them to watch them, but on a warm day, about half the bees in a hive stay inside 
beating their wings while the other half go out to gather pollen and nectar. And because of the beating wings, the temperature inside the hive is about 10 degrees cooler than on the outside. And the bees rotate their duties. And the bees that cool the hive one day are honey gatherers the next day, working together. And that's a beautiful picture, I think, of, of the body of Christ doing our part. And sometimes we have to help each other do their part, but being willing to work together. Okay, so the first principle is teamwork involves uh, seeing and meeting the needs of people. Second one, teamwork involves working together, each one doing their part. Look at the third one. Teamwork involves devising ways to overcome obstacles by looking at them as opportunities. Verse 4 says, they could not come near him, come near Jesus, because of the crowd. Now these four men carrying this paralytic, when they got there, they ran into an obstacle immediately. There was such a crowd that had gathered around this house, they could not even get close to Jesus at all. The crowd was blocking the entrance. But these four men didn't let that obstacle stop them from doing what they had planned to do. Their goal was to get this man to Jesus so Jesus could heal him. And, you know, you might say they saw that obstacle as an opportunity. So they made their way to the roof, and they tore a hole in the roof, and they let the man down through that hole so that they, he would be right there with Jesus. Now, do you see the movement here? They kept moving him closer and closer to Jesus. They got there. They had to stop crowd was so bad, but they finally made their way to the top. I don't know how they got up on the roof. Didn't tell us that, but they got on the roof, and they began to tear a hole in it so that they could then let that man. It had to be a pretty good-sized hole, didn't it? I mean, to get a, a cot lowered down through that, pretty good-sized hole. And they just kept moving until they got the man to Jesus. In church, I think the same thing can be said and be true of the church. Our dream should be serving, ministering, worshiping, bringing people to Jesus. And we cannot allow obstacles to stop us from doing that. And you know as well as I do, there are many obstacles out there today that would or that are trying to prevent us from getting people to Jesus. And we as followers of Christ need to make up our mind that we've got to stick together as a team so that we can overcome these obstacles and, and see them as opportunities and keep moving toward Jesus with people who need to see him and meet him. 
Let me share a warning at this point, okay? Some obstacles or hindrances to teamwork are our own making. Now, the obstacle that these men met, the crowd trying to get through all of that so they could get to Jesus, that was not of their making, was it? And we'll run into a lot of things like that that's not of our making. But our warning needs to be there are some obstacles or hindrances of our own making. So can I be just gut honest with you again? Or are you going to fire me? I need to share some of the obstacles. The lack of commitment to being a part of the team. I've seen it over and over together over these 50-something years. People sometimes will make a, quote, commitment, I'll serve here, and guess what? Before long, you don't see them in that spot that they're supposed to be in. See, that's one that we make ourselves. That's an obstacle or a hindrance that we make ourselves. Here's another one. Competition. In other words, considering ourselves better than maybe some others. And we're going to compete for the head or leadership position. Another is finding fault with others in the team. And and looking for someone to lay the blame for maybe something that has happened. Maybe there are those, too, that kind of focus on other people's weaknesses. Maybe there are others that try to make power moves, trying to control a group, rather than working together as the body of Christ. Maybe there are others unwilling, you know, to sacrifice or to give a little extra for the sake of the common good, for the sake of the whole team. Maybe there are others that don't follow through on their responsibilities. And I hope this is not true, but I've heard it too. And that's speaking negatively, poorly, ugly, however you want to term it, about other members on the team. Church, uh, there's no place for any of this. That, those are hindrances we make. And, and God is not pleased with that because it affects his body, the whole body, the whole team. And that doesn't please God at all. So no matter you know, what the obstacles are, whether you know, they're from on the outside or from the inside, We need to look for ways to get past those 
to see them as opportunities to move on, leave that behind and move on to where God wants us to be. Principle one says teamwork involves seeing and meeting the needs of people. Principle two says members, you know, need to work together, each one doing their part. Third principle, teamwork involves devising ways to overcome obstacles by looking at them as opportunities. And here's the last one. Teamwork involves a determination to complete all tasks, even when the team is criticized. And in the story, verses 5 through 12, we see some things happening there. These four men, you see, were determined to get this man. They were so determined to get this man to Jesus. It didn't matter really what it took to do it. They were willing to do whatever. And the obstacle of the crowd didn't stop them. The, the roof didn't stop them. So they moved, kept moving to Jesus. And again, that's what we need to keep doing. And there's something, uh, another thing that, that did not stop them from completing the task. And that is, uh, well, you kind of have to use your imagination a little bit to maybe see this and uh, see if I can help you get there. What would you do if someone started digging a hole in your roof? Really, what, what, even if you're watching and you're, somebody got on your neighbor's house and started digging a hole in the roof, what, what would you do? Anybody got a suggestion? Huh? There you go. We'd call the police, wouldn't we? Probably. Seriously, if you saw somebody up there tearing your roof out and, and digging down through it, you'd probably call the police. And you know, when you look at this story, I think it'd be reasonable to think that the homeowner or at least a neighbor or maybe somebody in the crowd yelled up at these four men criticizing them for what they were doing and even yelling at them to tell them to stop tearing up the roof. I think, you, you know, that's probably what happened. But guess what? They didn't stop, did they? They did not stop no matter what it was. They kept on tearing the hole in the roof until they had reached that plan, that dream that they had of getting that man down to Jesus Christ. Even though the crowd yelled at them, a wonderful truth is Jesus didn't yell at them. Jesus didn't tell them to stop. Jesus knew what they were doing. And he knew that he was going to be able, in front of this huge crowd, to demonstrate who he was by healing this man. And Jesus said in verse 5 to this paralytic now, when the men got him down there, Jesus said to this paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Folks, that's the greatest miracle 
in all of the earth. Your sins are forgiven. And guess what? You're sitting here this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. Guess what? He wants to say that same thing to you. He wants to say to you, right now, really, your sins are forgiven. And to give you that free gift of eternal life. That's what Jesus wants to do for you today. But you see, in verses 6 through 7 there, Jesus was criticized for what he said to the man, for saying your sins are forgiven. And those religious leaders that were there, they said, hey man, who does he think he is? Only God can forgive sin. And they were right. They were absolutely right. Only God can forgive sin. And starting in verse 8, Jesus confronted these religious leaders. You see, he knew what they were thinking. They didn't have to say any more. He knew what they were thinking. Guess what? He knows what you're thinking. Right now. Boy, that pastor sure is going a long time. It's almost 12 o'clock. He knows that. He knows whatever you're thinking, just like he knew what they were thinking then. And because of that criticism, Jesus said to them, which is, bigger, which is a bigger miracle, forgiveness or healing? And to prove to the religious leaders that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, he said to that paralyzed man, pick up your bed and go home. And the man did just that. Church, I, I believe Jesus is in the house here today. Some preacher I heard 100 years ago said, you know, if Satan's here, you brought him. Jesus is in the house today. And if you will come to him and honestly lay your heart open before him, like I said to those somebody that may be here without Christ as their Savior and Lord, he, he wants to say, your sins are forgiven. You as a believer, you're here today and maybe you're troubled. Maybe you haven't been a part of the team like you should have been and done your part. And Jesus wants to give you that strength, that ability to refresh that in your life. And he wants you to come to him right now and confess that so that he can freely then give to you what you need to be a part of his team here. So let me just conclude by sharing some information that maybe kind of help us put together this thing of a team. Many of you probably are, have heard it or read it or whatever about geese. Why they fly organized in that V formation as they make their way to warmer climates. If you hadn't read it, let me share it with you. 
If you have read it, let me share it with you. Here are some things that we can learn about the flight pattern of geese. Those in front rotate their leadership. When one lead goose gets tired, it changes places with one in the wing of the V formation, and then another one flies to the point to take the lead. And of course, by flying as they do, the members of the flock create an upward air current for all that are in the V. Each flap of the wings literally creates an uplift for the bird immediately following. One author uh, that had studied that said that by flying in V formation, the whole flock gets 71% greater flying range than if each goose flew on its own. Now keep yourself in mind as a goose in the V formation, okay? When one goose gets sick or wounded, two others fall out of the formation with it and follow it down and help it and protect it until it is able to fly again. These geese in the rear of the formation are the ones who do the honking. And this author said, I suppose that's their way of announcing that they are following and that all is well. And the repeated honks encourage those in front to keep moving. One lesson that really stands out is this. It's the natural instinct of geese to work together like a team whether it's rotating, flapping, helping, or just honking, the flock is in it together, which enables them to accomplish what they set out to do. So let me just remind you that as a body of believers, Central Baptist Church, God's team, you're a part of God's team, whether you rotate or you flap or you help or you just honk, you are part of the team and you have the greatest, greatest assignment in all the world. We do. As the body of Christ, as the team of our Lord, we have the greatest assignment in all the world. And that's to do what these men did, to bring people to Jesus. Don't give up. Don't lag. Especially don't say, well, we'll put everything on hold right now since we don't have a lead pastor or senior pastor. Keep moving. Doing your part so that God can help you to achieve the dream that he's put on your heart because teamwork makes the dream work. Amen? Father, thank you for this beautiful story. Thank you for the occurrence of it, of what actually happened and what you did as a result of these men's faith as they brought this man to you. Father, I pray that you would touch our hearts here today. Lord, encourage us 
and, strength, and strengthen us and, in, and uh, uplift us, and especially the body here at Central. Lord, during this wonderful time that you've given us in history to represent you, I pray that Central will be strong. And during the transition time, Lord, that you would give them strength and faith to believe that you are at work, that you're going to bring the man you desire here. So, Lord, as we leave this place today, teach us these principles. And may we learn to live by them so that we can be good members of the team that you have right here and that we can work together. Father, in these closing moments now, I pray that you would be with us. Lord, if you've laid it on the heart of someone to come forward, whatever that might be, to share the fact that they want to receive Jesus as Savior Lord or believer to recommit their life or to just come and pray and make that commitment to you they need to make. Lord, you have your way. And that way, when we do leave this place, we can leave with our hearts clean, our minds cleared, and we can be ready to be a working member of your team and to achieve the dream that you have for Central. Lord, all of it to bring honor and glory to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's stand together. We're going to have an invitation if you'd stand. Uh,